the sound on. It's not my fault. That was good, wasn't it? I mean, it's been a, I've been having a Holy Ghost day ever since I woke up this morning. It was good. I woke up this morning, and my first thoughts were not good. Okay? And I said, uh, Lord, I don't really need these thoughts. So I'm just going to lay here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soak in your presence, and I'm going to pray in tongues. So that's what I did for the first ten minutes before I even got out of bed. It was good. I could just feel the Lord coming on me, and then the Lord, it got better. He started speaking to me. And uh, uh, this is one thing he told me, okay? I want to tell you all this. I forgot to tell him the first, sir. I wasn't supposed to. He asked me to ask people from my generation this question about my generation. I don't know where that generation starts and ends, but I'm, I'll be 55 here in about a month, right? <laughs> I think you got her a 55-year-old coming up. But, uh, so whatever that generation is, you know, in the natural, at that age, you're coming into grandkid time. I got two. And, uh, but the Lord wanted me to ask you guys about your spiritual grandchildren, Okay? Now, here's the thing. In the, in the natural, you're not going to get any grandchildren if you don't have children. Okay? You've got to have children to get grandchildren. So, if, you're gonna have grand, if you don't have spiritual grandchildren yet, hopefully you're going to get some, but you need to have some spiritual children in your life to get those spiritual grandchildren. And so the Lord wanted me to ask these people of my generation about your spiritual children and about your spiritual grandchildren. Do you have any spiritual grandchildren? If you do, you're a blessed person. It's because somewhere in your life you raised up some children in the Lord. You poured your life into other people. And, and the great thing about grandchildren is this. I got grandchildren. and I, I, You know, it's crazy how kids learn how to lie. That Emma Lou will lie to you. Emma, did you go to the bathroom? Oh, yeah, 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 I went to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she ain't went to the bathroom. Like, no, you didn't go to the bathroom, Emma. Somebody's going to talk to you about lying, but that ain't my job to do. You <laughs> talk to your daddy about that lying stuff, girl. <laughs> Which is really wonderful. And so I'm looking for spiritual grandchildren in my life now. Believing God's going to give me some. I've actually got some coming along. I got a chance this week to talk to one of them a little bit. But somebody else is raising that person up. I want to encourage you, and if you're younger, to get to thinking about this, because this is how God created it to work. Amen? So we're going to be doing this uh, Camp Morley this week. So y'all be praying for that. Camp Morley, 5th to 12th grade. And uh, I was supposed to go tomorrow night and talk to the kids, and I thought, Lord, what in the world am I going to tell those kids? I don't have anything to say to them. And the Lord started downloading all this stuff to me about young people. And he hasn't talked to me in years about young people, really. But he began to really tell me, talk to me about the young people and about what God is going to do in the earth with the young people that there is going to be a mighty, mighty revival amongst the young people. So my generation came in to the Lord. I, I got saved. I wasn't even looking to get saved. I was involved in this thing called the Jesus Movement. I wasn't even messing with them people. You know what I mean? I mean, I wasn't even thinking about all that. I heard about it as an unsaved teenager, but I didn't really want anything to do with it. I mean, that was somebody else's deal. I didn't even but somehow, and when God threw that net into the water and brought a load, somehow he got me on the edge. I don't know how he did it, but I literally was not looking for God. He brought me in during that time. It was a move of God that was powerful. And there were people being saved like crazy, young people. The older generations were affected some. I don't know exactly how much. It wasn't my deal. But I know there was a lot of young people saved during the 60s and 70s. And not all of them made it. You know, not every one of them made it. But some did. Okay? And if you happen to be one of those some today that made it, God, 
you've got to realize something. You've got to realize that God is interested in generations. He really is. He's interested in generations. We have lost four people this year in our church, one from each generation. And there's going to be a move of God. Now, I believe there's going to be a significant move of God with the young people, but I believe it's going to affect the other generations. I believe it's going to, my generation has to somehow find its way into that move of God. It has to find its way into being there and being shepherds and fathers and mothers and, and people to help this generation come in to all they have for. And that younger generation, even the younger ones that will come up behind them, that's, there's, going to be another, there's going to be wave after wave that God's going to do. And I want to really encourage you to get a vision for that. No matter how old you are, get a vision because it's going to affect the earth. Okay, and we're going to see some things we've not seen, and I think it's going to be a lot more powerful than what we experienced, which looking back now, I realize how powerful God moved. It was a powerful move, and I miss that myself. And, and that's why I have a real belief in revival and awakening. I'm sold on it because that's how I got born again. I got born again because the Spirit of God came after me in a move of God. And so you need to ask yourself questions this morning my generation people, about your, your grandchildren, if, okay? Which means you better look at yourself and say, do I have any spiritual children? Because that's the only way you're going to get them. You know? Y'all got that? So this week we're going to see, the, hopefully the Lord imparts something to the kids at that camp. Okay? I believe He is. I believe He wants to impart something to them so they can become a part of something much greater. And I'm convinced that, you know, we've seen moves of the Lord in our church in the past, and didn't do, it didn't work out exactly the way we wanted, and there was a, you know, disappointment and all that. But I'll tell you this, I hope we got wisdom. I think we did, you know. <laughs> we'll find out in the next round, because there is going to be another round of a real powerful move at River Life of young people. There's going to be a powerful move, and we're going to see God move the young people where they will, where they will bring, they're going to bring something to the table that's going to be incredible, and they're going to really uh, impact this world. And this, so I'm just thinking about that. That's some of the things the Lord was telling me this morning. Amen? Y'all good? Y'all happy? All right, I'm going to give you the abbreviated Reader's Digest version because I don't want to do the long version. I've been just good, but uh, that... What we're going to do at the end, I, we have a great ministry team here. If they will do this again, I want, if you are a person who has family, did you saw that picture of her? She didn't mention that picture that she had up here. Can, let me just hold that picture. I want, you know, she said she didn't want to put it up here too much to give the devil credit. Well, I want to tell you something. The devil ain't getting credit. This is her one year ago. One year ago. This is this young lady who just spoke to you. She was on the methane, methamphetamines and just whatever, you know, drugs, bad stuff. I, I was in another generation doing other stuff, so that, that's a new one to me. But what I'm saying is if you have family members today or friends, somebody you care about that's stuck in bondage, addictions, uh, she talked about, she shared earlier, I'll just say it for her, she gave her body away for drugs. That's how far gone she was gone. You know, she was, said she was trying to kill herself slowly. And um, if you have family members who are trapped in that kind of lifestyle, and that's what she was in pretty extreme, but there's all these other levels of There's people who are hooked on prescription medication, can't get off. There's people who are just craving alcohol. And, but God wants to break that stuff off of us. He wants to set people free. And I think that what, I think she, this, these girls have something to give. They have hope to give. They have testimony to give. They have the, this is the power of God. And I want, if you have somebody you love and care about who, who's suffering, or maybe you're the one that's suffering, nobody's going to know you. Maybe they think, oh, there's so-and-so up there praying for their family, getting their family to pray for it. Maybe them. You come out here at the end, they're going to pray for you, pray for your family, and God's going to do something because we've heard about the power of God, and he's going to, the testimony, he's going to do it again. And again and again and again and again and again and again. And it's just going to be this move of God, and we're going to see young people who are out there doing that crazy stuff that the enemy's killing. We're going to see them snatched out and brought into the kingdom of heaven. 
And if the Lord tarries, when they're 55 years old, some of them will be preachers, some of them will be businessmen, some of them will you know, be missionaries. It's going to be powerful. And some of them are just going to be people who love the Lord and walk in integrity. Amen? Amen. So I've been talking, uh, I'm going to shift gears now. I've been talking to you for the last three weeks about success, how to be success, not how to be success, because I know I'm, I'm against how-to messages yet. Here we go. I I've been giving you keys to success. I gave you a key. I've given you two keys. If you'll use those keys, you can be successful. They work great. Okay? Today, I want to give you another key. Oh, last week, you know, you talked to people about the, pre- the, the future impacting the, pa- the present and the past. They just get this. Some people get this glazed look at you when you say it to them like, like what? Well, you know. Although that's the Bible. And uh, some, one person said, oh, Byron, that's just planning. That's all that. I said, bull. See, we don't think right. It just proves that. We don't think right. We don't think like the Lord. The Lord lived in the future. He brought what was in the future into the present. And that's how, what we, God wants us to do. But anyways, that was last week. Okay? You can read John 16, 13. That says it all right there, that one verse. It tells you exactly what the, the Holy Spirit will show you of things to come. It's part of the job. But I want to talk to you about the key of relationship. Okay? Everybody say Relationship. Well, when I was in uh, Paraguay, the Lord was talking to me about relationships a lot. And there's this kid down there named Alfredo. I say a kid, he's a grown man, he's big as a house, okay? You don't want to mess with him, he's crazy. But when that guy, when Jim and Kathy went down to South America about 20 years ago, what's Alfredo's last name? Magna Sosa. What kind? Sosa. Well, it's all the same. Sosa, Sosa, you know. You know, I mean... (laughs) I don't say it right anyway. It wouldn't sound right to me. But this kid, when he was a, when Jim and Kathy first went to Argentina back in 88, 89 time frame, this kid, he was a kid then, a boy, uh, met, the, met Jim and Kathy. And Jim's testimony was this. He saved our lives. Because they were down there and they couldn't speak a word of English. Spanish. They still can't speak. <laughs> they can't speak a word of English now as far as I know. <laughs> Anyways... That boy befriended them under threat. Somebody threatened to beat this kid up if, they, if he kept hanging around with them. He took them to the grocery store, helped them buy food, helped them live. And so this, that boy has been connected to Jim's ministry down there for the last 20 years. And uh, his sister's uh, one of their missionaries for His Heart Missions. That boy's dad, think about this morning. Here's a boy in South America. Here's a guy from North America. And God had a destiny for them. Okay? And God put them together in life. Okay? He put them together in life. And see, God has created, and I'm going to tell you this. I want you to get this. God has created us in this world that we cannot truly have success apart from other people. It just is not going to happen. If you look at the Bible, and you start right from the very beginning of the Bible all the way to at least Revelations 3, all through there you see that one thing over and over and over. It's relationships. Every person of any significance in the Bible that we know about their, their life and what went on in their life, you will find that one thing that was consistent in all of their lives. If they had other people that helped them get to where they were going. You will not get to where you're supposed to go in God or in life without other people. We need to face that. And we need to get real about our relationships. Um, In 1 Peter 4, I'll just read that to you, 7 through 12. I want to read that. And it's about, man, I mean, first and second, Peter is a powerhouse books in the Bible. There is power on them books if you read. There's so much revelation in there from this untrained fisherman. He had such a revelation about the Father and about, about life. And he's talking about the end of all things is near. So if you ever wanted counsel on how to live in the end times, it's, here it is written right in the Bible. And the first thing, it says, Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Sound judgment and sober spirit in the Greek is really one word. It's sober, so, being sober in mind. Okay, that's really what he's saying. You've got to be, and he mentions that word being sober in mind a couple, two or three times in that. But you know what sober in mind means? It means a mind that's not influenced by other things. 
It means, you know, we would think being sober means, you know, you're not influenced by alcohol. Okay? But there's a lot of other things you and I can be influenced by. We can be under the influence of, of, of television. There's one thing I realize. You can get under the influence of television or magazines or, or sports or anything. Okay? That has influence over your mind other than, you know, what? The person that needs to influence our mind is the Lord himself. We need to have that expanded thing I talked to you about a little bit last week of an expansive mind. A mind that has, that has been opened. A mind that, the, the, that Christ himself's mind has come into our mind and we're thinking the thoughts of heaven. And that's going to be key for you and I if we're going to make it through these end times is to have that kind of mind. Now, I was telling them earlier that I'm, really, I'm sort of surprised at me. Okay? On how well, and I'm, just, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling this is what God's done to me, how God has helped me in these last couple years to, to deal with situations and circumstances that in the past would have tore me apart. And, the, and what he has done is because, he has, because my mind has been touched, my mind has been renewed, and I'm not looking at my life from here. Because if I looked at my life from here, I might get depressed or get discouraged or get messed up. But I am, God has somehow is enabling me, and I'm not... I'm, like Arthur Burke said, I, hadn't le- I haven't arrived yet, but I've left. You know, I've, I got on the airplane. It's taxiing down the runway at least. But God is, is teaching me how to live my life and see from his perspective. And when I walk into a problem that otherwise would have knocked me silly, it don't knock me silly anymore because I see it. I'm seeing it more from how God sees it. And that's what we've really got to come to in our lives if we're going to make it in this time that we're living in. Because here's what's happened. Now, I want you all to get this. The United States of America is no longer the United States of America that was yesteryear. We have moved from a season. And really, the truth is, I was thinking about it earlier. I was thinking back in the 60s, a shift happened in the United States. If you go back, if you're too young to know this, but things changed in this country in the 60s from what it had been. Not necessarily for the good, neither. Okay? But we've adjusted and we've lived it. But now we've, we're, we're going through it at least in probably a bigger shift in this nation where things are changing. And what we've got to do is we've got to realize that. And we've got to shift with it. Not with where it's going, but realize this is not the United States that I was born in and I was raised in and I knew how that functioned. I knew how, what was going to happen. I didn't know, you know, you learn how to operate. And we, this is spiritual, a different spiritual climate now in this nation. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know that it's going to change. I don't really know that it's going to ever go back to being what it was. And we were talking about it the other day. You know, there's some things that are set. No matter how much you pray, it's not going to change them. Because it's the, it's the, it's the destiny that God has set. Uh, we don't know if this is our destiny that's been set. Okay? We don't know exactly that. But I believe we're headed in a direction probably that's more than likely is not going to shift back to the good. But that doesn't mean we as the people of God will not flourish and come into something powerful in this time. But we've got to allow the mind of Christ to come. Or we're going to get sucked down and, you know, and be messed up. And that's why Peter was saying, and he said it was for the purpose of prayer. And so I believe God, and, and I, we could talk, we could do messages on prayer. I, I really feel like I need to learn, learn everything I think I know about prayer. Except for one thing. Is, I, is God wants to teach us how to pray. And pray with power. Um, you know, one of the things that I really want to encourage people with, I'm just going to just put it on the table. I really have a hard time with prayer meetings, honestly. Praying with other people is not good for me. Because I, I get mad at them. And I, want to, and I get distracted, and I'm just thinking, I'm not good at this, Lord. Get me out of here, please. Is there any way I can slip, not come to this prayer meeting? That's the way I feel. Because it just doesn't work for me for some reason. But I do like to pray, okay, on a personal level. But that's one of my problems. Honestly, is the way I like to pray doesn't work well in, in groups. It's just not really. In fact, if y'all pray with me on a personal level, you'd be really irritated with me. You're talking about getting disgusted, <laughs> discouraged. Because I can just be all over the road, you know. But one of the things that I have learned in the last couple of years is, is that has really helped me in my life 
hugely. And I've been doing this for 30 years, but I've really went after it in the last two years intentionally, is praying in tongues. Is praying in tongues. The Bible says that God has given us to know the mysteries. It's uh, Matthew 13, the mysteries of the kingdom. One of the best ways to get those mysteries released into your life is praying in tongues. It clearly says that in the Bible. Clearly says that when we pray in tongues, the mystery, we're praying the mysteries. They're being released into us. That's one of the ways we gain the mind of Christ. So the more I've prayed in tongues, the more there's been a flow. You know, I ain't praying in tongues like a maniac right now because I've been praying in tongues a lot. I was telling them earlier, when I mow my, it takes me two hours to mow my grass, start to finish. I made a decision, I'm going to spend those two hours on that lawnmower praying in tongues. And it's really, you know, like, you can pray without ceasing. You can pray. Becky knows I pray in tongues all the time. I thought she didn't because I walk around the house praying in tongues all the time. That's what I do. And it really helps. So I'm thinking about the purpose of prayer. I'm starting there with tongues because I don't have good enough sense to pray with my mind. I really don't. I can talk to the Lord about five minutes about some things, and I don't really know what else to talk to him about, about that, about asking him for stuff. But there's another thing. It says in Romans 8, 26, that when we pray, the Spirit himself helps us with our weakness or infirmities. If you look up that word infirmity, that is a general word for infirmity, and it covers every infirmity. It covers all. It's a general word. It's, for, it's like sickness. If you... like. Like, here's extreme case. If you have cancer, praying in tongues can actually get you healed from cancer. Or if you just have a heartache, praying in tongues can get you relief from that and get you released from that. You understand what I'm saying? So there's, I'm just want to encourage you that there's great power and value. You know when Paul said, I pray more than all of you? He was talking about praying in tongues. That's what he was talking about. So I want to encourage you to really cultivate that gift in your life. Like I was telling you, you know, earlier when I was, I shared that with you, right, about I woke up bad and I'm going to soak. I prayed in tongues for five minutes and the atmosphere shifted in my life. Instead of me sitting around thinking these negative thoughts, the Lord started speaking to me. That's what God wants to do for people. And so I encourage you to do that. It really works. So that was the first thing uh, about all prayer, but I'm not qualified to speak about the rest of it, but I am qualified to speak about praying in tongues. Uh, be of sound mind for the purpose of prayer. That's something we need to get in our minds. That prayer is important. I really think we need to have meetings, corporate prayer meetings. If we could just do them and the Holy Spirit would be in the middle of them, it would be good. <laughs> Instead of just us. But we have had a couple here recently and it was real good. Y'all would love them. Especially y'all people who love to yell and scream. We did one the other, the other night. We just screamed our prayers. Like, no, we roared them. There's power on those prayers. In fact, that was the last thing that I noticed the last couple of weeks on Wednesday nights. The most powerful thing we did was praying. But it wasn't your conventional kind of praying. It was Holy Ghost praying. Y'all like Holy Ghost praying? That's the only prayer praying there is, really. And, and Marlon started up this past week. I said, Marlon, we did already did that the week before, and you weren't here. He said, I want to do it again. I said, okay, let's do it again. Anyways, uh, the next thing, I went on about that too long, didn't I? Are y'all good? Yeah. All right, here's the, here's the, so he's, the first one is having your mind fixed so you can pray, but then the rest of them have to do with this one thing. We're talking about the end times, relationships. Every one of the rest of these things he says, he says, be fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Angels, angels come like people. And have come into this church like people and sat down beside some of us. And we didn't even know it was an angel from heaven. Okay? Didn't know. Got up, walked out the door, act like he was getting in the car, and went back into the spiritual realm. And, we, and so what God is saying to us is about being hospitable. Not just because it might be an angel, but because there's a human being there that God cares about. And I'm not talking about just in church. I'm talking about in your house and in your life. It's, this is an end-time thing, hospitality. It's powerful. And I'm going to tell you something. Hospitality has power on it. Hospitality can heal. Hospitality can deliver. Hospitality can do a lot of things that nothing else will do it. 
As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Use your gift. Whoever speaks is to do as the one who is speaking the utterance of God. And whoever serves is to do it as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. So you see, Peter's counsel about the end, living in the end times is, is, is be, have, a, have a sound mind for prayer and have good relationships with people. Okay? That was his counsel. Have good re- And if you and I are going to ever come into our success, I don't care how educated you are, I don't care how much potential you have, I don't care how much background you have in your life, if you have bad relationships, you are not going to come into what God has for you. If you treat people bad, it is going to come back on you because there's a thing called the law of sowing and reaping. And as much as we want to try to overcome that law, you cannot, you will not overcome that law. You're going to overcome that law by sowing. Sowing grace into people's lives. Sowing kindness into people's lives. Sowing care into people's lives. Now one of my favorite people that the Lord's been speaking to me about recently, because this is the age we're living in. We're living in a Joseph age. Okay? When we were young Christians, we had a word that I believe was the Lord. It just is sort of difficult to get a word like that a long time ago in it. And then you had to spend 30 years living it out. And this, it was called being a Joseph people. You think, oh God, here we are, Joseph people. But we didn't realize there's a big ditch waiting on us. I used to get it for a few years. I was there. Somebody said there was a Joseph person. I was moving. Because I'm thinking they're fixing to head to the hole. I don't want to go with them. I done found my hole. And there's a caravan waiting on their hides after they get out of the hole. And then there's Potiphar's wife down there. And then there's a jail. They got a rough road ahead of them. God bless them. I'm, thank you, Lord. We're coming out the other end of that, though, folks. And you may be a young person today with a Joseph anointing on you. And God's just going to accelerate you through some things because of the times we live in. But I'll I tell you something. Here's, here's what happened with Joseph. You remember what happened to him? Joseph was a highly gifted young man dreams, visions. He was very much full of revelation. But Joseph had a problem. He had a problem in his family with his brothers and even with his daddy because he did not treat them right. He threw his stuff at them and he, he kept pushing them away from him. His gift was pushing them away. His, his, his visions were pushing them away. And his favor that, that his daddy had on him, because here's the truth, you can have favor with God but it's not going to do you no good if you don't have favor with your brethren. Okay? Because they're going to get you. And that's what happened with Joseph. He had all this favor with his daddy, Jacob, but he didn't have no favor with his brothers. And one day he shows up there showing off his, his coat that his daddy gave, all his dreams and visions, and his brothers were through with him. So through, they took him and threw him in a hole and took his coat, tore it up, threw blood all over it and said, We'll just go home and tell Daddy on a wild animal ate him while he just starves to death and dies in that hole. Okay? I mean, that's how far he had pushed his brothers. And see, there's people in this room, your bro- you've, you've gone through this, but, here, but you never got out of that hole. You, you stayed bitter. Okay? So now's the time to get out of the hole. I'm going to tell you that now. Anyway, that's another point. But, but here's what happened. I guess the one of them, Reuben, or one of them got to feeling sort of sorry about the thing, and, saw, and there happened to be this caravan coming. And the caravan was headed to Egypt, so they thought, maybe we can make a little money off of Joseph. Why let him die when there's money to be made? So they sold Joseph. They sold Joseph. Let me read this to you. Just, I read this the other day. It made me cry when I read it. It's just, it's just terrible, really, in one ways. It's about Joseph. It's what Psalm 105. I didn't put it up there. I forgot about it. And it says, this is, this is the Lord, verse 16. It says, He called for a famine upon the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters, or literally it says they hurt his feet with fetters, with chains. He himself was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of peoples, and set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler over all his possessions to imprison the princes at will that he might teach his elders wisdom. Now, I want that, that last word, he might teach his elders wisdom. See, there's some wisdom we can get out of this, out of Joseph. 
And, the, and I was asking, well, what's the wisdom? And he said, the wisdom is relationships. Because somewhere in that hole, and somewhere when he was riding down there with them chains on him, he got to thinking in his mind about the way he treated people, about the way he treated his brothers. And he realized, I'm here because I treated them badly. Even though God was behind the scenes working, using it all, he got to thinking and realized, I don't treat people right. I dishonor people. Has anybody ever felt that from the Lord? I hope you do feel it. Because the Lord spoke that real in a big way in my life about the way I treat people. So I'm not preaching to you anything I haven't walked out in a hard way. <laughs> okay? But here's the thing. He gets down there in Egypt and shows up at Potiphar's house. And that favor that the Lord had on him, now he's, starting to get a, he's starting to get some wisdom. He's starting to get to be a wise man at this point. And this wrong relationship comes into his life. Okay? Named Potiphar's wife. And Joseph made a decision. See, at that point, Joseph had wisdom about relationship. He knew there's some relationships you can't have. Okay? And I'm, they're just not illicit relationships. There's just some people you shouldn't have a relationship with, period. Okay? And it may cost you not to have that relationship. Because it cost Joseph to, to, to make that right decision. Initially, it cost him. Because guess what happened? He got thrown in jail over it. It cost him. But it was the right thing. And so some of you need to break, through some, break away from some relationships. You know, and really, I've always thought about the, the story of, of Ruth and Orpah and Naomi. It just came to this point in life. Naomi and Ruth's road was going that way. Orpah's was going that way. There was nothing wrong there. It's just... It's time for me to go that way. It's time for you to go that way. We can cry on each other's shoulder and kiss each other and move on. You know, if you, get, if you ever get to be a pastor of a church, you get the gift of goodbye. <laughs> you really get it. You don't go, if you don't get that gift of goodbye, you're going to be hurting. Because there's times when it's goodbye. You know? So, so Joseph went into the prison, okay? And he... Got that favor on him again, but see, he was a wiser man. I want to read these. Y'all got, y'all got grace to hear this? And then I'll tell you the last thing. I'll just dump everything else into that. I want to read this about Joseph. It says in Genesis 45 through 8, there was two people got thrown in jail, two major people, cupbearer and, a, and a, a butler, a baker and a butler. Cupbearer and baker, yeah, from the king. And they got thrown in jail, and Joseph was over them. It says, then the cupbearer... And the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream. The same night, each man had his own dream, and each dream with his own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. Think about it. You're in prison. You're going to be dejected already. Right? <laughs> you're going to be pretty sad every morning you wake up in jail. Okay? But they had something even worse going, working on them that morning. And so he, being Joseph... Asked Pharaoh's officials who were, with them, who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Now listen, this is important right here. Joseph noticed that they were hurting. Joseph took the time because he cared about those people. See, Joseph learned something about relationships. He learned when people are hurting around him and he saw it that he needs to have some compassion and love for him. Okay? And, of course, you know what the story is. You know, they gave the dream. He interpreted them. One of them got his head cut off, and the other one went back. The baker got his head cut off. The cupbearer went back. And it was before Pharaoh. And two years, everybody say two years. Two years. We sort of use that as a negative, but here's the thing. Two years, one day, Pharaoh has the dreams. Remember, he had these serious dreams, and nobody could answer. And then the, the cupbearer said, Oh, God... Oh, please forgive me. I've sinned greatly. There's a guy I know that can interpret dreams. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If Joseph would have never looked at those people and had this care for these people, this concern, this relational attitude towards these people and marched on, oh, well, y'all a bunch of idiots anyway. You need to be dejected because you deserve to be in here. If he'd have had that attitude, he would have never interpreted their dreams. Okay, and the guy would have never been up to Pharaoh, and the guy would not have remembered that day and told Pharaoh about this guy who did something for him two years ago. 
And suddenly because of that one little thing, Joseph was suddenly elevated to being the top man and had everything because he treated people decently. And what you find over and over in the Bible, there's these things that happen and they're divine things where somebody does something and years later the person they had this, this kindness, this, this ministry towards, this person opens a door for them that they could never open. That man in that jail opened that door for Joseph to be promoted. Now here's another story from the New Testament. This should get you encouraged or discouraged. Thinking about all the bad relations. Oh God, that person who could got me promoted is the guy I stepped all over trying to get my promotion. You know? And now he's in charge. You know, and I'm doomed. Here in the New Testament, we have the Apostle Paul, mightily saved by God, and just goes wild in Damascus. I mean, just wild. I mean, so bad. they had to get him out. Everybody was trying to kill him over his preaching. It was bad. You know, that'd be bad if they were trying to get you out of town. He shows up in Jerusalem, okay, and nobody wants anything to do with him. They heard about his wildness. They probably figured he was just being an idiot. They didn't really believe he was a Christian. But this man Barnabas took Paul to the people in charge, the apostles, it says, and says, this is for real. This guy's for real. He really did see the Lord. He really is a Christian. He really is a believer. And because of that, the apostles told everybody, he's okay, he's a good guy, he's in. And he says he went in and out for a while, but then eventually he probably stirred up some more trouble. They shipped him off home. They shipped him home. It says then the church had peace once Paul was gone. Think about this. Nine years later, nine years, Barnabas is sent down to Antioch because there's a revival started in Antioch. And the apostle says, go to Antioch because there's a revival down there. We need you to get down and take care of things. He gets there and he says he sees the grace of God on the people. And the first person that pops in his mind is like, Paul, Paul, Paul will fit here. He went and went back to Paul's hometown, found him and brought him to Antioch. And as most of you know, Antioch is where Paul's, he spent a year there at the church, two years, one or two years, I forget which one it was, Acts 11 and Acts 13. And then Paul is sent out with Barnabas on the first missionary journey. Because of a relationship. Are y'all getting this? Because Barnabas cared about Paul. Before Paul was anything, he was a nothing, he was a reject, nobody cared anything about him. Okay, but because he had this relational thing in his life, okay, God used that relationship to help, actually help Paul and Barnabas. Now it is true, they did have a falling out a couple years later. But they did reconcile. In fact, the, the culprit in the middle of the, of the falling out was, was John Mark, who became quite prominent himself, the gospel of Mark. That's another story how that happened. But, but at the end of Paul's life, guess who he was asking for? I need Mark. He's useful. Send him to me. I need him. This is a guy he was mad at. See, you're going to have breakdowns from time to time in life. The, problem, the key is it's fixing them. You can't go through life and look back on your past and it'd be one broken relationship right after the other, one issue right after the other. One issue. You know what I'm saying? Are y'all with me on this? Now, let me just bring the clincher in. I found this. How many people in here would like to be financially blessed? Raise your hand. And the rest of you, what in the heck is wrong with you? You're lying. <laughs> of course you do. I have found what Jesus said about relationships and finances. Okay? Jesus himself tied financial blessings to relationships. Okay? You don't believe that? I'm just telling you. I'm trying to build you up and get you all anticipatory. And yeah. Luke 6. Let's look at Luke 6, 37 through 38. So you gotta, you got to get things fixed. Let me ask you this question. Let me, before I read this. Think about the people you attract around you think about it for a minute do you attract negative and critical people the spiritual rule was this in the spirit like attracts like so if you're a negative down in the mouth person guess who's going to be attracted to you negative down in the mouth people 
You know, that's what pastors tell them. They'll say, well, you know, any negative person in church, the negative ones that come in the door, they will find that negative one sooner or later. And they'll all get together. I'm serious. They do. And they create a negative atmosphere in the church. I've got to tell you this. There was one time in our church here, there was a group of people that found themselves. And they developed a home group. And I went to the home group, and I thought, good Lord, this is terrible. These are the most bad people in the world. They were so negative. And I said, Lord, you've got to get them people out of this church. They're going to destroy this church. And when the last one I'm left, the atmosphere in the church changed. That's true. We don't realize this stuff. We better be careful of what we attract. I'm looking around me, what am I attracting? Am I attracting a bunch of jerks? Then I must be I'm a jerk. You know? So that's a real question I've had to ask myself over and over and over about the people that want to be around me. If, they, if, if they're negative, that means they're attracted to something negative in me. If they're insecure, they're attracted to the insecurity in me. That's the way it works. Now, in the na- you know, just on the girl-boy basis is another rule, supposedly. I mean, there is another rule, but some people are messing that rule up. They're, going, they're messed up. But we don't want to go into that one because we're out of time, but I do want to read you the money one. <laughs> Listen to this. John said, I have never connected this in my entire life. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. We're talking relationship. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Or forgive, and you will be forgiven. Given, now we've all got this number 38 down. Everybody, given, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, God. Come on. I'm giving my tithes. I'm giving my offering. I'm helping the poor. I'm helping the missionaries. Why am I so poor? It's because you forgot 37. It's because you have a life of broken relationships that you've never fixed. And because of that, that little word, they, everybody say they. You know who that they is? It's those people. They, it's not God. It ain't like God's going to open this trap door and dollar bills are going to fall into your hands. They is those people. They will pour. You want to, oh, I feel like i got a great call for missions. Well, why have you offended everybody in this church? You think they're going to give you any money to go on your missions trip? After you have treated them like trash, you want them to give to you? Well, they probably will because they're going to take a humble position. But sooner or later, it's going to blow up in your face. Do you all see that? I've talked to people who've asked me that question, Byron, I'm a giver, but I'm busted. Why? And you talk to them long enough and you realize they've got a string of unresolved relationships in their life. They got a string of unforgiveness. They got a string of criticism. I'm just telling you secrets on how to help people now with their money. They're condemning. They're un, they're, they're don't, they don't forgive. They, don't, they have hurts that they've never resolved. They've never gone back and fixed things. And it's tied up their money. Well, that would speak to me, man. You tied up my money over that, Lord? Okay? But also, even beyond money, it will tie your spiritual life up. You will never come into what God has for you over the relational thing. Never. It will never happen. It's just not going to happen. I've seen it in our own church. I've seen people treat people bad, and I've seen the people who are getting treated bad come back at some point in time and bail those people out of the fire. I've seen it happen. And I saw repentance. But what I'm telling you is true here. What I'm telling you is the way it really works. And so if you, if you, here's the key to success. Be nice to people. Treat people right. Love people. Forgive people. Fix your problems. Don't be critical. Don't be a gossip. Don't treat people like a jerk when they ask you to do something. You look at them like, they're indignant, like you're indignant. And they're like they're fools for even asking you. Don't be that way. Learn how to treat people. Get some manners with people. You know? And start treating people responsibly. And as you begin to do that, God will really put something in you. He'll put a love in you for people because love covers a multitude of sins. It's like what Peter said. It covers, you know, love each other because love covers a multitude of sins. Amen? Amen.
So, okay, let's just pray. I'm going to pray for you. Here's what I'm going to pray, that God will show you if you have broken relationships in your life that need mending. What I did when I began to see this, I asked the Lord to reveal to me broken relationships. Hey, let me tell on myself. Eighteen years ago, I had a broken relationship with that man who played the guitar this morning. I did something to him that hurt him. Then he did something to hurt me. And for years, we did not speak to each other. So I asked the Lord, Lord, show me people I have broken relationships with. And tell me the ones I need to go back and fix it with. One of the things I was doing when I was in Paraguay, I was, I was talking to God about me a lot. Because God wants to talk to us about us. Because God wants to help you. That's what you've got to get. He wants to help you with that stuff in you. He wants it out. And if you've got hurt in your past, He wants it out. And He wants you to see the things that matter. It's like God's the environment. You want a revival? You want to be in a move with God? You've got all this stuff you ain't dealt with. So the Lord showed me some people and said, you don't need to mess with them. It's, it's not, doesn't, you can't go do something. So if God says don't, you just need to ask him. And uh, he didn't show me Joe Mathis until Joe Mathis walked in the room this morning. And I thought, how ironic. Joe Mathis. Joe Mathis called me. Hey, Byron, he called me last night. Can I come to church tomorrow and sing a couple songs? I thought, that's an odd Odd phone call. He's never called me and asked me to do that. I said, yeah, it just so happens Becky's leading worship tomorrow. I'll let you talk to her and y'all can work it out. It's great. So I went over to him between services and said, hey, Joe, you happen to be one of those people, I think, God's here to talk to me, for me to fix something with you. And he said, well, you know, time sort of takes care of things. He said, but you did hurt me. He told me when, told me what. He said, I've forgiven you a long time ago. I said, well, I'm sorry for doing that to you and Dorothy. And Dorothy cried. You know, and that's all it took. That one little thing, I'm sorry. Did you forgive me for hurting you? I was, I, Joe, I was an idiot. I was immature. I was stupid. But that doesn't disqualify that. So I'm asking you to ask the Lord... Just ask the Holy Spirit and let him tell you. And he may tell you like he did me. I had this conversation with the Lord over a month ago up there in Paraguay when I was looking at Jim and uh, Alfredo, their relationship and considering all that. Uh, I want you to ask the Lord to show you. And if he brings somebody to your mind and tells you what to do, that's good. If he doesn't, that's great. You know, whatever. But if he happens to bring that person into your life a month later, you might think, is God speaking to me? I'm preaching on relationship, and here comes a man that I hurt. It's God alive. Do you think he hears us? Do you think he cares about people? He does. If we listen to him, we can fix things, and he'll fix us. He'll fix our lives. He'll fix our lives because that's what he's interested in doing. But we've got to let him. That's all we've got to do is just let him. Now, don't you dare do this one thing. Don't you dare go to somebody that you've had hurt with, but you're not going to them for reconciliation and forgiveness. You're going to them because you're still messed up and you want to poke at them. Don't do it. Yeah, I've done that too, right? I'm the, I'm the expert on, I'm the expert on bad relationships. That's what my name means, bear. You know, a bear can be a bad relational thing. You have to put bears in cages. I had a dream, let me tell you this. No, I had this dream. I want you to know about this dream. I had this dream. Here's what the dream was. In the dream, I was looking at my brother on the ground dead. And a grizzly bear had mauled him. And I realized that grizzly bear's after me. And I was running from it. And it finally caught me. The end of the dream is that grizzly bear held me out like this. He was holding me. He was fixing to kill me. And I woke up and the Lord said, Byron... You are, you are destroying your brother, and eventually it's going to destroy you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, your name means bear. You've got to do something about that. And he did. 
what he did with you, he did with me. He took away all that insecurity, all that hurt, all that all that stuff. I was just doing it in a different way. But the same thing happened. And he, you know, showed me the Father, gave me identity, actually gave me another name. Kept, kept the Byron part, though. The old redeemed bear. Gave me another name. I'll tell you about that. That's another story. But anyways, I'll, y'all stand. I'm going to pray for you. And then we want these girls to come up here and pray for people who might... Are y'all good? Yeah. All right, Father, I thank you this morning that you love us and that you're so relational. And you want us to be better at our relationships because you want to bring us into some major uh, spiritual awakening and revival and prosperity and kingdom business and... Uh, expansion of the kingdom and all the world, the preaching of the gospel. You were speaking to us about being commissioned and empowered to go out into the world and share the gospel of the kingdom with power and to do it wherever we're at and to go places and do things in your name. And I believe that's the true calling on this church is to do that kind of stuff. And I pray... Uh, this morning, for everybody in this room, I pray you'd bring to our minds, our attention, situations that need to be repaired in the, in, in the arena of relationship. If it's, if it's between husband and wives, if it's between fathers and daughters, fathers and, and sons, mothers and daughters, mothers and sons, Lord, between friends or just people in the church or people in, in business. Father, we're asking today for healing and deliverance in our life from bad relationships. And we pray you'd break that thing of criticism and negative and whining and complaining and misery, Lord, off of us, Lord, and help us to be relationally clean and relationally pure. And I pray that you'd bring it to people's minds, those who need to hear, because you do care, do care. And I want to bless the people in this room right now in Jesus' name. And I want to thank you for everybody that's in here, and I want to bless everybody in here. And Lord, I thank you for these young ladies that have bore through this. Y'all come on out here. Come on. Who are going to pray for us. Anybody in this room, if you have family who have addictions, family who are caught in terrible sin, or you know, any sin's terrible, these girls are going to pray with you. If you're one of those people, come up here. You just have loved ones that you want to see a breakthrough in their lives. The power of what was shared today. The power of a life changed a power of God going after us when we weren't even thinking about God. I believe they are going to release that into your family, into your friends, into your circle today, into your life today, in the name of the Lord. And uh, maybe if there's anybody who wants prayer about the relational thing, Sherry, you can get a couple people up here. Sue, y'all come out here. Anybody else? Maybe we'll get a guy up here that would be willing to pray for you if you want prayer about the relationship thing. So, amen. Otherwise, the Lord bless you and keep you and let his face shine on you and give you peace in Jesus' name.